Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1 800 795 9565 or email on the mark at WKOK.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark. Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings. Welcome on board. WKOK's live telephone talk show on the mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Mr. Joe is across from me. Mr. Rob is on the other side of the glass. And Mr. Steve Jones is on the news line with us now. So we're going to talk to him about a big Supreme Court ruling that came down yesterday. And we'll also talk about a former Penn State player who has uh, come out as gay. And we'll talk about the significance of that, why that uh, is uh, making some news around the U.S today. So that'll get us started. Our incoming telephone lines aren't working at the moment. Uh, I think we got a lightning strike somewhere in the region yesterday. So we got a lot of guys with uh, uh, flashlights uh, on their foreheads looking around in the basement trying to see where the wires go. <laughs> well, they can call on your cell phone as Steve's doing later right, on. We'll give them out your personal cell phone number and when Steve's done. Right. Well, that would be fine with me. Well, it belongs to the radio station anyway, okay. so we'll let them take care of that. But Fair enough. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, Steve is on the line here. We want to announce that On the Market is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. You can check them out at sunburymotors.com. Our email address is open and working. You can email us at onthemarketwkok.com, and you can still text us at 70236. Always include the keyword OTM. We do have on the news line, and specifically speakerphone, in this particular case, Steve Jones, of course, the host of our Steve Jones show here at WKOK. I always call him a legendary play-by-play voice <laughs> for the Penn State Indian Lions. He's not that old. <laughs> Distinguished, well, maybe, but legendary, <laughs> not quite yet. Steve's still with us. You know, he's living. Well, and he is <laughs> just a real go-to when it comes to all things it sports. sure is. So sure we really is. appreciate him checking in. Steve, can you walk us through the U.S. Supreme Court ruling uh, this week that sure. relates to the NC? Well, first of all, Mark, Joe, it's great to be with both of you this morning. Uh, This is something that we've followed very closely for years on the show because I knew it was going to be groundbreaking. And so I've talked about the Alston case many, many times. I think it's the single most significant loss for the NCAA since the Regents case of Oklahoma and Georgia against the NCAA in 1984 that opened up television so that now you see every game every week. And that was that 1984 case. This case actually is simple in some ways. What Alston was arguing the former running back, it's his name on it, the former running back from West Virginia, was that part of the educational experience that a student athlete has, they have to go out and buy their own materials after that. So in other words, if you want a laptop, if you want an iPad, if you want a a printer scanner, something like that, the university, it's not part of your scholarship. They argued that it was. Uh, And and it's an argument that the NCAA, I think, feels a lot better today because they were able to look at the dissenting opinion. Oh, right, there wasn't a dissenting opinion. It was 9-0. And they got routed 
wasted in this thing. It was an absolute waste of money on their on their part. Uh, the NCAA has typically been kicking the can down the road, uh, trying to avoid this. Now, a lot of people think it opens the door immediately for student-athletes being paid. That is not the case. Now, it does set a format and puts things in motion because there's another case called House versus the NCAA that I think opens the door on compensation, but it puts a lot more pressure on the NCAA today and tomorrow because their uh, council is meeting today and tomorrow on name, image, and likeness. And on Monday, they could have a final ruling on name, image, and likeness, but the clock's ticking on that because July 1st, six states, Florida, Georgia, Mississippi, Texas, Alabama, and New Mexico all have name, image, and likeness laws that go into effect, so the clock is ticking for the NCAA. Well, Steve, uh, in his uh, consent, uh, concurring opinion, Justice Kavanaugh wrote that nowhere else in America can businesses get away with agreeing not to pay their workers a fair market rate on the theory that their product is defined by not paying their workers a fair market rate. And under ordinary principles of antitrust law, it is not evident why college sports should be any different. The NCAA is not above the law. What's your take on that? It's almost inviting another challenge. Well, it is inviting another challenge because that was, I think, Justice Kavanaugh's way, Joe, of saying, hey, look, this case we ruled specifically on, but if you put something else before us that's even... Uh, in greater scope financially, uh, you're going to lose that one too. So in other words, get yourself together and start putting something together to allow student-athletes the ability to have their own fair market rate. That's where name, image, and likeness comes in. And let's face it, the three of us, I think if the three of us sat back and envisioned years ago that you could be on a YouTube channel or an Instagram account and make thousands of dollars. The two, the three of us would have looked at each other and said, you got to be kidding me, really? But it's a different time, a different era. And there was a place kicker for a punter, a punter for South Florida. And he had this great YouTube channel, and people started buying advertising on it. Well, South Florida said, well, you have to get rid of it or you're not going to kick. And he said, well, I'm not going to kick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... and you know, that's what it's come down to, the ability for a student-athlete on their own time to take advantage of their name, image, and likeness. They're already getting a stipend, which is called cost of attendance. They already have their tuition paid for, their books are paid for, uh, you know, their room is paid for. Yeah, that's all taken care of, but they don't really have any ability outside of what they're doing and what's become a 24-7, 365 deal to make any real money outside. Also, this Alston uh, ruling also allows for paid internships. So John Reed did an internship uh, a couple of years ago at, uh, it was, I think he did it with uh, Microsoft, because John Reed, who's now with the Houston Texans, knows how to build computers. You know, some of the remarkable, you know, young people that you're around, he's one of them. Well, now, I mean, you know, paid internships instead of uh, internships for credit will now be a part of this. Now, what the student-athlete, though, needs to understand in, in everything I'm talking about here is that their scholarship is not taxable. 
okay? So, you know, if they can get a laptop, an iPad, whatever, other school materials, that should not be taxable under the Alston ruling. But name, image, and likeness will be taxable because that will be income that they're earning. Uh, paid internships are taxable. So they're going to have to be careful in all of this to keep track of what they're doing. And that's why I've always felt strongly that you know every student at a university, not just every, every student athlete, but every student at a university should be taking some financial course at some point or another and take advantage of the minds of the university that can help them with such things. What does this do to the long-standing NCAA policy that uh, they've defended the principle that students should play sports as amateurs? Would they still be considered amateurs, Steve? Well, I think uh, people have thought for a long time they're not because when you've got 110,000 people in the stadium, Joe, and then you also have a national TV audience, uh, you know, I, look, are they being paid through their scholarship? Yes. I mean, let's face it. I mean, I don't know, Joe, how many uh, uh, youngsters you put through college. I mean, I know I had five. And they all have college degrees now. And I did not get the Penn State rate. I got the state rate as to what I had to pay for it. So I know how much money out of my own pocket I paid. So I know how valuable a scholarship is uh, because of based on what I paid in the, in the loans that my uh, children had to take out. So, yeah, they've been technically getting paid. They just never see the financial transaction. Uh, name, image, and likeness keeps the scholarship model in place but allows them on their own to make some cash. There's so many restrictions on the ability to make some money off their name. Uh, now, this this isn't you know the gravy train I think everybody thinks it's going to be. I think it'll settle down at some point. But it also can cause a problem in the locker room, Joe, because now you're talking about, okay, the quarterback uh, is making this much outside of playing football, and the offensive lineman who's protecting him is getting a buck ninety-five because <laughs> 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 he got an autograph session that took place over at the local restaurant, or you know, over at you know, over at the car dealership. So everybody's going to be on their own in some ways. And you want to make sure, as a coach, you're going to have to manage your locker room to make sure that you keep everybody. Uh, uh, in terms of everybody's attitude straight and, and online. But, Joe, you're right. I think the amateurism model has, has died a long time ago. I mean, look at the Olympics. They're coming up next month. Every Olympian, and it used to be always amateurs in the Olympics, always. There's no amateurs in the Olympics now. I mean, that's their full-time job. And for that, uh, if the, because of that disparity in the locker room, some of them may say, well, that's a glimpse of what they'll enjoy when they get to the NFL. But if they get to the NFL, they're going to be paid millions of dollars. So while they won't get $34 million like a fabulous quarterback might, uh, the man protecting the quarterback is enjoying a pretty reasonably high salary for his work. But at the college level, you're down to the buck ninety-five, right? Yeah, for, uh, former Nittany Lion Donovan Smith, who whose primary job of being the left tackle for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is to protect Tom Brady. Uh, Donovan just got a contract extension. Uh, he is doing well in life. He's doing just fine. Uh, but on the college level, look, to be honest with you, Mark, Joe, you ask most student-athletes at a university, they feel that with their scholarship they've got a great deal. Name, image, and likeness gives you an extra incentive to go out and get some 
money on the side to do well with it. You know, you can have an entire offensive line go down and do an autograph session at a local bookstore or whatever, and they can pick up a few bucks here and there. I mean, so I think in the end it's going to be okay. Just as a coach, you just have to make sure that everything in the locker room is copacetic all the time, only because this is the first time you've had to deal with it. Is this the end of college sports as we now know it? I don't think the fan is going to see much of a difference, Mark. I think the, you're still going to have 85 recruits, 125 players on a roster. You're still going to have great stories. Uh, the avenue to get to the NFL is through playing college football. In basketball, you have other avenues. Uh, LaMelo Ball was the first overall pick in the NBA draft by the Charlotte Hornets. He didn't play college basketball. Uh, he went over and played in uh, Europe for one year and then he went to the nba draft and he was the he was you know and he was what the second third overall pick because edwards was the first overall pick but he was the rookie of the year in the nba this year with the hornets and he didn't play college basketball zion williamson went one year and then at duke and then he went to the new orleans pelicans but you're seeing more and more players in college in basketball either opting to go to the g league for a year or opting to go to Australia, New Zealand, or Europe for a year and get paid and then go to the NBA draft instead of doing the college game. The NFL doesn't have that, Mark. There's no minor league out there that you can go to. You have to be in uh, college for three years. You have to be, uh, let me rephrase that, you have to be out of high school for three years to be eligible for the NFL draft. Uh, now, again, these aren't college rules. Remember, these are not college rules. The NBA Players Association negotiated with the NBA owners that you had to be 19 years of age and one year out of high school to be eligible for the NBA draft. The NFL Players Association and Demora Smith negotiated with Roger Goodell and the NFL owners that it's three years out. So college, you won't see a difference at all as a fan in the college game in terms of what you're watching, but the internal workings of it are going to be a lot different uh, compared to anything else. The fan won't notice anything, uh, but the players and the coaches will. So, Steve, these, uh, these athletes now apparently are going to get some chance to make additional money, but Let's say I'm a music major at Penn State and I'm offered gigs playing a piano weekends at a bar. I'm making extra money and then it's and it's, you know, related to what I'm doing in college, but the university doesn't care, the NCAA doesn't care if I make that money or if I'm an engineering student and I help design a bridge and get paid under the table. You know, are there any rules in other areas other than sports that adversely impact the students with respect to their ability to make money? Nope, and that's that's what makes sports so different, Joe. You're absolutely right about that. So you're a music major, and you're going downtown to the to the local restaurant. You're playing on weekends, and that's how you pick up some extra money, you know. And you're making the money off your talent, which, by the way, also happens to be your major. And nobody cares about that. Uh, somebody is sitting there and is in IT, and suddenly gets uh, as a sophomore, suddenly is so brilliant that somebody at Microsoft hires them. For for a mega money job, everybody's hugging him or her, walking out the door, telling him congratulations. If it's somebody in sports that leaves early, people sit back and go, 
well, what are you doing? Where's your loyalty? <laughs> you know, because there's such an emotional tie to sports. And that's why you know it's always treated differently, even though you are absolutely right. There is no difference between the two. But always remember, when it comes to the eligibility rules to be in the pros, it's the pros that set the rules, not the colleges. Well, are the universities behind the NCAA in this, or are they kind of out there on their own? I think everybody, that's a great question. The NCAA is in trouble right now, Joe. They really, as an organization, they're in trouble. They have spent who knows how much money on all of these court cases. And every single one you knew was going to be a loser. I mean, I knew in 1984, and yes, I do go that far back. I was actually on the Penn State Network in 1984. Uh, I knew in 1984 that the Georgia-Oklahoma thing, they were going to lose. I mean, I, you knew it. Uh, the O'Bannon case, uh, where O'Bannon, Ed O'Bannon, who had been a basketball player at UCLA, who was the National Player of the Year, was on the cover of the EA Sports game. Well, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever uh, looked at a video game. I mean, my kids had it. I've never once in my life played it, but I've seen the game on, obviously, when they played it on the set. That leaves nothing to the imagination about who the individual is on the screen. I, I mean, you look at the facially, you're like, oh, it looks just like Matt McGloin. You know, you could tell, even though they don't say the guy's name. And I, I remember when this, that game came out, I thought, they're really stretching <laughs> this out, where they're really pushing the limits and using individuals to sell something here. And the individual isn't getting anything for it. Now, let's be honest. Most of the players would get the game. And they would sit there and they would play the game in the players' lounge. And they loved it because they were in the game. They didn't think about it. Not one of them thought about getting money for it, but they're like, they're in the game. O'Bannon was on the cover of it. And he was looking, and this is the basketball game. And he looked at it and said, well, they're selling this game with my picture on the cover. How come I didn't get anything for this? Well, that's an automatic loser. Right. And, of course, Mark Emmert goes into a courtroom, and he starts talking about higher education, about scholarships, amateurism, and the ivory tower. Well, a judge and a jury are looking at him like, okay, look, tell them where the money goes. Okay? <laughs> I, if you tell people where the money goes, you've got a better shot of making this work. And, of course, he won't do that. So where does the money go? All right? You have 800 student-athletes at Penn State that are on scholarship. 702 of them do not play football or men's basketball. Football is ultra-profitable, as we know. Men's basketball is profitable. They're the only two that are profitable at Penn State. The other 29 sports, hockey is in the black by a couple hundred thousand, all right? Men's hockey. Everybody else loses money. Now, seeing, you know, like they publish the numbers, it's there. So what the money the money that you get from football and men's basketball, where does it go? It goes some goes to the soccer program, some goes to the softball program, some goes to the baseball program, some goes to the men's and women's gymnastics programs, to women's volleyball. The other seven hundred two student athletes that are on scholarship benefit from the money that football and men's basketball brings in. So socialism in sports works. 
That's why the NFL succeeds and so forth. Now, I don't want it working anywhere else, guys. <laughs> but, but it does work in terms of balancing everything in sports. That's why the, the NFL has been successful because they divide up the money. Well, same thing here. The money comes in from football, men's basketball, and get the wealth is spread across the board. And you know, and not every scholarship you know, of the 702 are fulls. I mean, there's quarters and halves and thirds and whatever to make up a given team but still there are 702 beneficiaries one way or another Zara Moss was was an outstanding fencer here at Penn State I mean outstanding she was runner-up silver medalist in um, in the NCAA championships a couple of years ago I sat down with her and I was talking with her for a TV interview that we did and she says, Steve, I know, I know you, you do football. I said, yeah. She says, you know what? I, I never really liked football until I came here. He says, now I love football. I'm one of the biggest football fans going. I said, oh, because you love the game? She says, no, because of them, I have a scholarship. <laughs> See, the other athletes know that. And that's, the, that's how it, that's, that's why Emmerich should have told, where does the money go? And you look at everybody and say, do you believe in Title IX? Well, guess what? All those women's sports are funded by the football and basketball money we bring in. Okay? Now you start people down the road of thinking differently about the money part of it. Because there's not a Swiss bank account. That, and Mark knows all about that. There's not a Swiss <laughs> bank account where the money's going to, and it's some slush fund that everybody's just drawing off of. The money just goes back. It's a nonprofit, literally. Any profit you do make is a rainy day fund. And last year, by the way, we had torrential downpours financially <laughs> in college sports. Right. Yeah, and Mark's offshore, Steve. <laughs> yeah, I'm all in. Yeah, Steve, can you? I'm telling you, Mark's got this offshore account. Right? <laughs> you know, Joe, you and I can talk. That's right. I do have an offshore account. My daughter is presently enjoying life in Hawaii, and I still send her money to support her. So, yes, I have an offshore account. Steve, stand by. I have to get a break in, but I have to ask about Carl Nassib when, when yeah. we come back here. So, stand by. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. All right, welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark. We have uh, Steve Jones on the line with us now via speaker. Carl Nassib comes out as gay as an active player in the NFL. It becomes the top story. Uh, and I, I don't mind telling you, as soon as I posted that on Facebook today, every, you know, half our audience said, who cares? So, Steve, d- just give us some sort of sense of the significance of this. And, of course, this would be a, a man who you know. So it's, uh, it's kind of personal, too. 
Yeah, well, I mean, we all think the world of Carl anyway. Came here as a walk-on and worked himself into a first-team All-Big Ten selection and into a draft choice, and he's just one of the really great guys out there. So all of us care very deeply about him and think the world of him. The significance is that when you're the first one to come out in a sport like the NFL and actually say that you are, that that is significant, just like it was with Collins in the NBA when that happened. It's not as if there haven't been games players in the NFL before. My goodness, let's go back to the 60s. Vince Lombardi had one year as the head coach of Washington. Well, there were two players on that team, Dave Copay and Jerry Smith, a running back and a tight end. Smith was a really good tight end. And everybody knew that, you know, on the team that they were gay. And Lombardi told his coaching staff, you treat the tight end coach. He said, you treat Smith any differently. He said, you're fired. You're fired, and I'm going to be watching you. That's the way Lombardi was. And so for Carl Nassib to come out and do this, I mean, let's face it, put yourself into his shoes. How tough is it to come out and say something that you're just not sure how the world is going to react? And, of course, the world has reacted really well to it. But at the same time, it still takes a lot of guts and courage to come out and do something like that. And uh, he's got all the support of everybody up here, James Franklin, everybody. And, you know, and Carl's just one of those individuals that you just think the world of and I'm just glad that he can be at peace with with his life and how and that he can talk about his life openly you think more players will come forward Steve it's a good question, Joe. I think they might. I think it's always a personal decision as to what you want to do. I mean, just like Matthew Wolf over the weekend, uh, uh, Osaka, the tennis player, does not want to talk about mental health issues. But Matthew Wolf did. He did an 11-minute press conference. So everybody has to make their own personal decision as to what they want to say. It was Carl's personal decision to do this. I think it's great that he did. Um, if others want to do it, it's great as well. If others want to be private, then let them be private about it. And teams are supportive. Have you heard anything from the NFL in particular about uh, supporting him? I haven't, yeah, that's a good question, Mark. I haven't heard a word from the NFL about it, but I would assume they'd be absolutely supportive of it. I mean, that's, uh, it's again, it's a personal decision. And, you know, Carl Nassib is going to stay with the Raiders based on his play, not because of his sexuality. Well, Steve, thank you so much. We'll be listening this afternoon as you delve further into all of these topics, plus more. We know you have some other interviews scheduled today, so we're uh, we're just glad you're on board, and thanks for all your help and the information. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Hey, Joe, Mark, always a pleasure. Thanks so much, guys. Take care. Thank you so much. That is Steve Jones, voice of the Penn State Nittany Lions and host of the Steve Jones Show here on WKOK. 3 to 5 p.m. today, he'll have an opportunity to delve further into these uh, topics, plus much more. And they are talking about uh, all kinds of things going on in the world Should of sports. Should be a good program. And whatever Boys happened is. to my cubbies uh, <laughs> remains a uh, mystery we're, we're going to have to find out about. But they're actually they're playing pretty well right now. Why don't now. you support the Red Sox instead? This is WKOK Sunbury. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark. Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Disregard the telephone number for now. The WKOK Live talk show is just the WKOK Live talk show with Joe and I talking. Yeah, the phone lines are busted. Probably a lightning strike yesterday. We don't know for sure, but we think that's the uh, operative uh, work. And there are all kinds of 
people working on this, men and women. Uh, we got Iron But you can keep trying. Verizon. I mean, you'll hear one ring, and then it goes to a busy signal. Yeah, at some point today, certainly prior to noon, the lines will come back up, but we don't know when. So we don't have the phone lines, but we do have Joe and I, which is a blessing to you regardless, and we... And should the phone problem persist, we volunteered to discuss politics on Steve Jones' show this afternoon <laughs> in return for the favor. <laughs> that's right. All he's got to do is mention voter ID, and that will light up Joe and I. And, and you notice Barack Obama's now signed on to that idea. He doesn't buy your idea that poor people or uh, people of color can't get... Well, uh, I, I, we got a straw man here. You know, I think what President Obama said is very, very true, that there, it isn't a capability. It's just a reality that when you strengthen ID laws, you disenfranchise certain voters. We know that that's happening. But listen, this is the best part of this. This can be overcome. You, know, you have people that don't have transportation or they don't have birth certificates or they just don't have the ability to get the ID. It is a, a low percentage in the single digit and a voter ID law that includes help for them could work perfectly. And these and are that people would be the you know these you know these people actually have voted in the past and that they would would be adversely impacted by not having a voter ID. Well that that is the Because they had to show trend. voter ID the first time right, they back voted. Back in the day, right. But that, then you have an individual at a county courthouse where And if they, any of them you, ever moved, they would have had to have shown voter right, ID that would, again. That would change that. So <laughs> so really that's the voter ID issue. It is a minor issue that is easily overcome. Well, no, in the but past, we, you've been saying it was voter suppression, my friend. Well, the voter suppression is the other stuff Republicans want to do. Voter ID is an easily insurmountable dilemma that has to be solved. If you don't solve it, then it's voter suppression. An easily insurmountable... Right, and because of the fact that I am very insightful... If it's insurmountable, it can't be easily surmounted. And I know Republicans' motives. That gives me greater insight into why That's right. they're we doing it. We just want to keep you from voting. Well, if that, we could find some way to keep you <laughs> You from voting. Believe me, Mark, we me do personally? it. Yes, you personally. <laughs> All of this work nationwide in Republican houses of uh, representatives. We just got to stop Mark Lawrence from voting. just to get that one vote off the roll. Okay. We want to suppress you. I think that is probably <laughs> true. All right. On the Mark sponsor by the Sunbury Motor Company. So please do as I've done. Use the intranet and go to sunburymotors.com. They got uh, more than a dozen trucks down there all ready to go. They're Ford F-150s and some of them have, one of them even has the eight-foot bed and a double cab. That's a real tuna boat, so that might not be for everybody, but uh, they do have a one forty some thousand dollars uh, with the EcoBoost start-stop motor. That's an economical truck. That's going to be a great starter truck for some family around here. It's, it's that, uh, I forget the name of it, it's that off-color green. It's like a olive and uh, uh, green, but it has just a little bit of the silver color in it. It's just a super green and it lights up when the sun is on it, but uh, anyway, okay, sunburymotors.com, do as I've done. You can email us at onthemark at wkok.com, and you can text us at 70236. Include the keyword OTM. One of the Valley's noted attorneys has died. Roger Wiest of Sunbury was 80 years old. He was known locally as a founding partner of what is now Wiest, Mulo, Noon, Swinehart, and Bathgate. He was patriarch of a very involved family in legal and community affairs around here. His obituary lists of family is Kimberly Fenton and her husband Jeffrey of Toms River, New Jersey. Roger Wiest II and his wife Wendy of Sunbury plus seven grandchildren. Uh, locally, he and other leaders in and around Sunbury.
are credited with helping in the growth of the city and the region's local institutions and municipalities. He was active in the Northumberland County Bar Association and other groups. Roger Wiest, age 80, going to be remembered at a memorial service this Thursday in Sunbury. PennLive.com reporting a ghost gun reportedly was used to kill two adults and a teenager in Snydertown June 9th. Christy Ziegler, director of Haven Ministries, where the accused killer was living, said Monday she saw that information in a police report. State police who charged Matthew Reed with homicide did not respond to inquiries about the weapon or if it was in their custody. Ghost guns are made from a kit and are unregistered because they do not contain serial numbers. Reed's father, Ellison Reed Jr., told investigators he had a gun in the trunk of his car, but the arrest affidavit does not list further details. Ziegler is confident Reed did not have a gun while he was at the homeless shelter in Sunbury because she said it would have been found during regular room inspections. You can read more about that at WKOK.com and Penn Live. Pennsylvania's tourism industry is perfectly positioned to bounce back from the COVID-19 pandemic. Carrie Fisher-Lapore is Deputy Secretary of Tourism, Marketing, and Film for the state DCED. She says tourism, travel, and hospitality are $46 billion worth in Pennsylvania. There has been such significant pickup in travel and interest and people booking vacations, hitting the roads, and Pennsylvania is perfectly positioned to take advantage. Fisher Lapour says trends show people are still taking some caution while starting to travel again, most preferring travel by car versus plane, but she says that shouldn't be a big deterrent to Pennsylvania where uh, many of the state's attractions are within a short car drive. Another Valley University requiring all students to be vaccinated. Susquehanna University joins Bucknell requiring a vaccination. Big drops continue in hospitalizations related to COVID-19 and one new death in the Valley. In terms of the hospitalizations, now the Department of Health says just 400 people hospitalized statewide in Pennsylvania. Uh, Geisinger Danville has 10 and Evangelical Community Hospitals, two COVID-19 patients, 744 cases locally, one new Northumberland County death and lots and lots of folks getting the jab. 1,200 more vaccine doses administered in Northumberland County, getting 715 of those. 1,200 in our area. And the U.S. Senate begins debating the For the People Act today, though it is likely to be blocked. The legislation aims to expand ballot access, outlaw partisan redistricting, and more in an effort to counter a wave of restricting voting measures at the state level. CBS News correspondent Laura Podesta is following. Senate Democrats can't overcome a GOP filibuster without at least 10 Republican votes. Some hope the blockade creates momentum to abolish the procedure. And we'll monitor that discussion this afternoon, so stay tuned to WKOK's hourly newscast and, of course, WKOK.com. Finally, I'll take a Big Mac, a Diet Coke, and a Moderna jab. You can now get a Vax with a side of food at McDonald's in some locations in California. They're doubling as pop-up COVID-19 vaccine clinics. The vaccinations are free. You also get a coupon for something else off the menu later. The clinics run all week at some Northern California uh, vaccine or McDonald's or vaccine clinics. It's kind of the same thing these days. So that is happening. So a Big Mac will keep you safe, right? <laughs> well, if you get the jab, it'll help help prevent. That's a not a jab. It's a shot. 
Well, yeah, I don't know why we started calling it jabs. Because the British do. It's oh, very is that British. what it is? Okay. Yes, there were several jabs distributed today. I just heard it, and I thought that was a great way to go about it. Yeah, well, whatever. You, say, you got your jabs. I did. I got two of them, and I'm glad I did. But not everybody's doing it. You know what they call it when you're when you're done when you leave the clinic. You do a jabber walkie out the door. Oh. You do. <laughs> that happens. That's see. That's a Star Wars reference that's not lost on me. Okay, so the <laughs> the actually it is. Lost we just on mentioned me. voter ID very briefly here, right. and just to finish what I said, you know, I, I do think voter ID is being imposed by Republicans since I am prescient and can tell their motives. President Obama supports it. Right, I understand Stacey that. Stacey Abrams He's doing the same it. thing Cliff Readers did. They call up a straw man that says, we are saying that the black man is unable to fill out a voter ID card. Nobody is saying that. We're looking at, in hindsight, the fact that when you impose more voter ID laws, typically okay. minorities, blacks, and the poor become less likely to vote. Suppose. They are many times capable but choose not to. This is an opportunity, I hope, to try to get some uh, help to make sure that everybody who wants to vote can. Suppose on Election Day I twist my ankle and I decide not to vote. Should somebody come to my house and carry me to the polls? I mean, where is my obligation if I want to vote to do the things I need to do to vote? A lot of men and women fought and died for this country to give us that right to vote. And it's not something that I think we should take so lightly. So you think Republicans shouldn't try to take away that I'm right I'm saying either. we should have well, – nobody should try and take away All people's right, right well, to vote the same legally, there. legally, legally. If they're voting illegally or if they are not in compliance with the laws, then they don't deserve that right. Well, who's but, advocating for illegal voting? I think the Democrats are. Oh, I brother. think they they want they want <laughs> All right, no yeah. checks. Listen, if we you don't have anybody to vote illegally, if you don't have any checks and balances, what's most likely to happen? People are likely to abuse the system, right? People abuse systems where there are good checks and balances. Do you want people who don't uh, have the right to vote to vote in this country? No, I'm, I'm not advocating that. And that's the biggest straw man that ever came marching down the pike. You're very fond of the term straw man well, today. Well, because you're doing the same thing Barack Obama did. You carve out one sliver of Oh, one. yes, we know Barack Obama. He's certainly a racist. Right? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> trying to suppress the black vote for sure. Well, he's trying to say that what we, the mass of Democrats, are saying is that uh, black people are unable to vote, and that is <laughs> not the case at all. So uh, what's the problem, then? Well, many individuals cannot get an ID under the legal requirements that are being advocated many for individuals by Republicans. Many individuals can't buy a drink or own a firearm or do a lot of things. They can't drive. Right, Does do. that mean we need to smooth the path for everything in life for everybody? I don't know. Do you have a what, – what was the first one? A gun? They can't buy a gun? Do you have a right to, to have a gun? And do you have Republicans saying, okay, we're going to make it so hard for you to get the gun that you won't be able to? No, get? that's – Democrats are trying to make it okay, hard for well, me to whoever, get the gun. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Whoever is doing it is wrong. Okay, so they're wrong trying to keep me from getting a gun. Well, I think so. Yeah, I think everybody should be forced to carry a gun <laughs> at all times. You came to the wrong guy if you want an anti-gun argument. Well, uh, it's not. I don't think the anti-gun argument is, is particularly germane to this. I'm just saying that there are restrictions on almost everything we do in life. There are qualifications we must meet. I can't let my, my 12-year-old grandson, I think, is a very responsible young man. He can't drive a car. One eight hundred. Should he be allowed to? I mean, it's it's terrible. It's suppression of his right to drive. <laughs>
Oh, Joe, 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 Joe. Let's let's try to keep this at least uh, high school level here. Let's go back to eighth grade. We'll answer Joe's question later. Joe, these start at the bottom and go up. Okay, Mark. Really. You know that people can't get voter ID and it's disenfranchising minorities? Where's your proof? All right, we'll provide that. I don't have it in front of me, but it can be had. Next one. S1 is nothing more than a Democrat Party power grab, and the supposed chance change rather to allow voter ID as a compromise is a false flag. All right. And then the Democrats can't be trusted with a compromise. They talk out of both sides of their mouths. <laughs> and the uh, what was the supposed ghost gun wearing a sheet yes. if the shooter is homeless? Who gave him the gun or did he steal it? Well, that's a good question. And then finally, Joe, you are correct. Obama is a racist. All right. We got I was being facetious there. I don't think Barack Obama is a racist. But I think since he supports voter ID... And some other restrictions, like being able to purge the voter rolls. This is Joe Manchin's compromise, which he signed on to. Stacey Abrams has signed on to it. Everybody admits there are certain common-sense regulations. You always talk about common-sense gun reg- regulations. There are common-sense voter regulation, voter restrictions. Hey, I'm all for them. Let's do it. Oh, you've changed. Well, we got to help. We got to help people get the ID, though. Well, I think there's there probably are some good elements of Pennsylvania's new uh, proposal and uh, the voter ID constitutional uh, requirement could help, but you still have to actually have people, staff, courthouses, Department of State, whatever it is, you have to be able to help people that have trouble getting an ID to get it. That's all I'm asking. It's, I'm not asking for you to move mountains or somehow uh, allow illegal Well, what roadblocks are in their path now? In other words, what, what roadblocks exist to me getting a voter ID? Well, none for you. You are well for anybody. You, you have lots of money, and you have the ability to travel. But some people don't have lots of money to pay for an ID, and okay. some people don't have the ability to travel. In a but major the, all city, of those can in be major, easily overcome. If they can't travel, how are they going to get to the polling place? Well, I think you can vote by mail today. Okay. Well, then how are they going to get to their ballot back to the mailbox? I think they're probably walk to the corner. Keep going. They can't walk to the corner because they can't travel. <laughs> okay. I'm just right. saying yep, that, it's hopeless. that you're, you're, you talk you're about right. straw men. This is a straw argument that people can't get it or that they have a problem with it. If they want to vote, if they're motivated okay, to Joe, vote, they will get it. Among people who are considered black or some other minority, among people who are poor, among people who may have mental health uh, a history and may have had some dilemmas, do you know of any of these people that have ever had trouble getting a voter ID or getting an ID of any kind? No, I don't know of any okay, of them. Okay, well, I rest my case. You have such a tiny I have sliver never seen, of narrow knowledge have about never what's seen really going on. A, this a letter to is the editor. known to the Republicans. No one has ever called this program. small segment. It may be 1%, 2%, 3%. Has anyone ever called this program and said, I can't no, get an ID, Mark, can I have your help? ID, and so they <laughs> won't be able to. You're not no, you're I don't ignoring think, me. I don't no think one's ever called this called program. Show, but we know they exist. We know from talking to people in drug and alcohol services or mental health services or in... in uh, services that help the poor, that we know that these people exist that have trouble getting IDs, and they know that because right. they've tried to get IDs for other we things. We just have a homeless have person who was able to get a ghost gun. If you think they can get a ghost gun, how come they can't get an ID? I don't have any problem with banning ghost guns. No, 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 you you're not answering about. my question. I mean, if someone is motivated to get something, they'll mm-hmm. get it. This gentleman was apparently motivated to get a ghost gun. He okay. got it. So if he's similarly motivated to get a voter ID, you think he wouldn't get it? 
I think it might be possible, but he might need help, might need assistance going to the driver's license area, might need assistance paying for the ID. That's my only point is that, and you seem to miss this point. No, I understand what you're saying. That we have to help people to get it, though, and we have to have actual people ready to help. All right, but here's my point. If an individual wants to do it, it's an individual's responsibility to get it. No one's going to take me to the polling place to register. Well, maybe they will, to register myself. If I decide I don't want to vote, I don't have to do anything. If I decide I want to vote, I have a specific obligation to get A, B, C, and D. And it's the same thing if I'm driving. It's the same thing if I want to be able to go into a bar and I don't look like I'm 21 years of age. There are rules in place that apply to everyone. And to call them suppression of any one particular group is absurd. Right. Well, we we actually know why Republicans are imposing stricter ID laws. So even though you will not accept it, we know why they're doing it. Well, you know. You know why you think we're doing it. You cannot call us. It is not the WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show. This must be really irritating, Tom. (laughs) (laughs) This is the WKOK Live Talk Show, and we... Have an open email. It's funny how we have emails fine, but no one's emailed us yet. You can email us at on the market wkok.com, and you can text us at seven zero. That's just or I got Rob's excited. Testing. I was testing Rob the phone to testing. see if it was working. <laughs> All right, one eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. Don't write it down or call it. It's not working today. We, and when we come back, we're going to talk about a nine year old student who took the school board to task. Right. Uh, you can email us at on the market wkok.com, and you can text us at 70236 as one listener did include the first words uh, the letters OTM Joe that's brand new right Says, there good morning we Democrats want legal voting I do mail-in voting my signature is good enough for my vote many Americans died for this and for our country all right uh, thank you yeah we're limited to 140 <laughs> characters folks all right well that's that's the number of people we've had on this show over the years 140 characters right one eight hundred oops see that's a bad habit don't call call tomorrow. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back to On the Mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Oh, no, wait a second. No, I'm not. <laughs> we can argue about that. That's a straw man if there that ever was That it really one. is. Yeah, the phones are busted, folks, so uh, email us. <laughs> Isn't that funny? We get a lot of or emails. Or text us. On many days. Yeah, <laughs> Today we got a lot of texts. Thank you for those, Stan, and everybody else who's sending those. One of our listeners says, Mark, if people need assistance to get to the polling place or to register, they can get it. This country has spent trillions on social programs for the poor. You're ignoring uh, the fact that there is lots of help for them. Uh, we have 
to talk about the Sunbury Motor Company, we invite you to do what I've done. Let's go to sunburymotors.com, pick out a truck of your selection, and they have 17 on the lot right now, but uh, you can buy one of those if you wish, but you can also do as I've done, order one up. There's a slow row in order to get it done because there is a chip shortage. So until they get that chip uh, ready to install, but I am told by Kyle down there they're going to be putting it in that truck soon. So uh, probably by the beginning of July, I'll have my new truck, and hopefully I'll get it. But if I don't want it, you can have it down at the Sunbury Motor Company's <laughs> lot. Well, this is what I do. I order great trucks to my precise specifications at Sunbury Motors. You think they're going to get tired of you down there at some point? No, no. The trucks sell fast so because they really have great street-level uh, saleability because I choose things that uh, are, people really want. I don't choose stuff that people don't want. Like you but like apparently this. you don't want it because you don't actually buy the trucks. Well, I get convinced there's, there's some feasible upgrade, but you like those big visors that stick out over the upper windshield and um, the uh, things that hang off the trailer hitch. That's not my cup of tea. But you can buy a Ford, Hyundai, or Kia from the website, sunburymotors.com, or you can go to the North 4th Street Plaza area or the Kia dealership and uh, talk to Ernie, Austin, Jeff, and Kyle, and Alphonse, and uh, as they say in the hip world of young people, they will hook you up and make sure that you end up in a brand new vehicle of your selection or a pre-owned vehicle. The uh, pre-owned vehicles are moving off the lot ASAP as well, so they'd love to see you down at the Sunbury Motor Company. Joe? We have a couple of interesting stories that since we have a a chance here to talk about them, um, we invite your comments by text or by email. A nine-year-old student took a school board to task over its apparent 180-degree flip on a policy barring teachers from displaying Black Lives Matter posters. The viral video making the rounds online this week shows the girl speaking before a Lakeville area school board meeting on June the 8th. The student, who identified herself only as Nova Lee, said she saw posters of Black Lives Matter and Amanda Gorman on her teacher's wall at Lakeview Elementary School. The presence of these posters, she said, contradicted what the school board said at a prior meeting. No politics in school. The student said she informed her principal about the Black Lives Matter poster. She said she requested it be taken down, but the principal refused. When she cited a school board policy prohibiting Black Lives Matter posters in the district schools, the principal allegedly told her that the school board members were the ones who made the posters. (laughs) All right. When I was heard two weeks ago, you told us to report any BLM in our schools. Apparently, you know they're in our schools because you made the signs, the student said. She said that any effort to change the color or font does not erase the posters. Fundamental political message, getting rid of police officers, rioting, burning buildings down, while King Governor Walsh just sits on his throne and watches. I'm nine years old, and I know that, she said. You expect to believe that you did not know, you expect me to believe that you did not know what you were doing when you made those posters? Come on, people. So apparently there's a bit of hypocrisy. But the larger issue is should politics be kept out of school classrooms? In other words, should a teacher be allowed to display political signs of one way, one form or another, as part of the educational process or as part of their personal belief system. I don't know how you could teach anything at all related to current affairs or civics without mentioning Black Lives Matter now or other things like the, the but topics. should it be balanced? In other words, if you're putting up a Black Lives Matter poster, should you put up uh, some other poster that counters <laughs> Black Lives Matter? <laughs> what would that poster say? Uh, uh, white people are great? I don't know. A white supremacist <laughs> poster? Okay, well, yeah, let's say uh, posters uh, ask 
asking people to support elements of the Oath Keepers. You can be in favor. You can be in favor of Black Lives Mattering without being a member of Black Lives Matter. Right. If you believe that all, maybe a sign that says all lives matter or blue lives matter. Everybody's I've life seen the matters. blue lives matter flags around right. here, so but they exist. Doesn't everyone's life matter? Another, but politically, it's correct to put up. And what's interesting about this story is that she got into an argument, or some a woman who said she works for Eastview Elementary spoke immediately after the girl. She praised the work of the board, making their little signs, and the teachers before saying "Black Lives Matter" six times in a row. She then quarreled with the nine-year-old girl before repeating "Black Lives Matter" five more times. So here's an adult taking on a nine-year-old who is really trying to get the school board to enforce Just the policy it created. Well, I think the school board rule that would bar a Black Lives Matter poster in a classroom, especially if it's placed in context, would be a, you know an onerous rule that shouldn't stay. But it has to be in context, and as you say, I don't think balance is precisely the exact right word, but it has to be has to show that it really is part of a complex thing. It has to show that Black Lives Matter is now also a touchstone for. Uh, a uh, for controversy because a lot of people feel as though you know the Black Lives Matter itself is corrupt or communist or that the leaders aren't living up to the kind of ideals that they might be talking about and then you have down to the street level infantry of people like you or I who feel Black Lives Matters and that you know we have to address discrimination or we have to at least uh, talk about and identify systemic racism if it happens to exist in our nation or since we know what exists in our nation what you know, what can we do about it? You have to talk about all that perspective and all of that, uh, you know, that has to be part of it. And it has to be, you know, I think you can also look at polls. Most folks find that last year where the Black Lives Matter movement and the protests around the nation uh, did more harm than good and that, you know, discrimination didn't change much. We know a lot of big companies decided that they would roll out, you know, anti-racial discrimination programs, but then never did. So, you know, that, you know, I don't think we made any, you know, my Lawrence's worthless supposition is that we didn't make any progress last year. We just had a lot of protests. And now we have towns like uh, Portland and uh, Eugene and and, uh, other cities where it's still out of control because of people that are protesting. And, of course, that's led to the issues associated with prosecutions and police, and and that's bad for everybody. Really, the issue to me is whether or not a teacher should have the latitude to put up political signs based on their own personal beliefs as opposed to teaching. There's no indication here that this was a teaching instrument. Okay. This sign was a teaching instrument. It was just apparently the teacher's preference. The school board made the signs, I guess, in support of Black Lives Matter. They put them up after their own policy said keep politics out of the classroom. Who's black in this discussion? Do we know that? No, I don't think it's... Well, may, I would assume that the woman who worked at East Lake Elementary School who took the girl on, I would assume she might be since she repeated Black Lives Matter so 13 or 11 times uh, to the girl, you know, and then apparently implying that the girl was racist in some way for asking that the signs be taken down. But, I mean, if you put up a sign in contravention of of a policy of the school board, even if the school board made the signs, 
you, you should have a problem. I mean, what are we teaching the kid? The school district says keep politics out of the classroom, and yet they make signs that violate their own rules and post them in the classroom. Well, that's not right. You have to, if you have a rule against a particular poster, I mean, you certainly can teach Black Lives Matter or what the movement happened and what it meant in our world without having a poster displayed 24-7 in the school. We got three texts that were sent to 70236. We'll read those when we come back from the break. But uh, we would invite you to email us at on the mark. Joe, can you test the email? <laughs> it's funny that yes, we have I great will. topics and no emails, so maybe that's not working either. But anyway, uh, I think you can email us at on the mark at wkok.com. And I know you can text us because we got three more while we were talking about that. Uh, great poster and what one of our texters identifies as a great video. So we'll take a read on those when we return. Uh, we invite you to email us at onthemarket.wkok.com and text us at 70236. Include the keyword OTM. Thank you so much for joining us on the WKOK Live talk show. <laughs> the phones ain't working. They busted. Probably a lightning strike. But Joe McGranahan, our good conservative co-host, a mayor of Shemokin Dam, a Hall of Fame broadcaster, and in charge of global tsunami response, global volcanic response for Pima. And right, he right, helps right. the Bar Association scrutinize candidates for judicial offices as well. He is across from me. I am Mark Lawrence, subpar host of the show. I portray liberal on the radio. And uh, just a good pine nutter who can't wait for pine nutter days to get back underway. If it weren't for Mr. Sticky, I'd have no stickies at all. So. And you're a former Sunbury Citizen of the Year. Uh, well, I guess Despite still, the fact you don't live there. I still am. That's quite an honor. <laughs> Ooh, um, is that what it is, Citizen of the Year? Yes. That's well, what I guess you you're still that's a Citizen of the U.S. <laughs> I have ID. <laughs> So You oh, do have ID. I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to, to hear that. it. <laughs> uh, Rob Center's our fabulous producer. Of course, he does Doesn't have much to do today. super-duper job. Well, I see him clackety-clacking over there, so he's getting some work done. But he is testing the phone on a regular basis to, so that the moment, moment it gets uh, back up and running, uh, he'll be good to go, and he'll get that going. Uh, we do have some texts. Right. So the, the woman that attacked the 9-year-old is a white mother. Okay, so I was I just assumed that, you know, since she was supporting You assume everybody who stands up for blacks is no. No, oh, I so. don't assume any such thing. You asked me if we knew what the color was. Okay. You asked me. You you so you didn't make any assumption. I made one, okay. and I was wrong. Okay. <laughs> you happy now? Well, I assume uh, <laughs> lots of people were being prosecuted in Portland, and guess what? <laughs> They're not. They're not. All right, and our friend Tom, who I thought would be hating this program, probably is. It's, it's interesting news. Many of the southern Republican states are lagging in vaccination with one state, maybe Mississippi, at 28 percent. I guess Republicans are, after all, the ones that are the most hesitant. I'd hate to tell you, Tom, but the Republican registration edge is greater than 28 percent in Mississippi. So that means that maybe a lot of people are hesitant. Yeah, I think that's a not cultural just Republicans. thing. Well, we know lots of good Republicans, uh, and we know like I'm Republican. For, I got my shots as soon as I could. Right. We know lots of Republicans who've gotten shots. So it's not just Republicans. They may be there. May be some who are more hesitant, but uh, their great leader, Mr. Donald Trump, former president of the U.S., got a jab secretly. Now he did so secretly, but he did disclose later. All right. Well, fair enough. Uh, then Doug says McDonald's offering fee food, or free fee food, free food to get vaccinated. Krispy Kreme is offering free donuts, free beer, and marijuana offered in other places. It is all really about our health. <laughs> 
Well, I guess we really want to I didn't get, get anything. I, I didn't get a donut. I didn't get any marijuana. I wouldn't want it, but I didn't get any. Well, I, hopped, I stopped at the soft ice cream place that's across from Woodbine Lane. I forget the name of it. Oh, yeah. That's, it used uh, to be Hummel's, but no, it has a different name. Okay. So you did that. Well, you had to. I mean, if you're going up there for the jab, you got to get some compensation. Well, I went in March, and it was uh, cold, so I didn't get any ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't stop me. <laughs> they weren't open in March, with it, but uh, anyway. All right, we have four texts, four different people sending right. us messages. The or, count- well, I don't know. They might be from the same person. The counter know. to the BLM poster is All Lives Matter posters. Okay, and then another one says, The adult that went after a nine-year-old girl was pathetic. Black Lives Matter leadership are Marxists wanting to destroy America. And then the nine-year-old called out the school board's hypocrisy. The video is awesome. It is. I. It, uh, the young lady did an incredible job. Oops. But there's. Th- then this story is irritating to me as well. And this is a, a mayor, Shane Furman, the mayor of Silverton, Colorado, announced at a trustee meeting, which I guess is their city council last week, that the Pledge of Allegiance will be suspended due to direct and indirect threats, which prompted at least one trustee to challenge his ruling before attendees recited the pledge. Anyway, Anyway. KDVR reported that Furman said he made the decision based on inappropriate comments in and out of public meetings and general divisiveness and issues created in our community by reciting the Pledge of Allegiance. One of the trustees challenged him. We have to read that again. This is in the pledge. KDVR reported that Furman said he made the decision based on inappropriate comments in and out of public meetings and general divisiveness and issues created in our community. What the hell does that mean? (laughs) What's it have to do with the pledge? I don't know. Apparently these are general divisiveness issues created uh, by the pledge for some reason or another. Usually that is the one time at a meeting where everybody's on the same page. (laughs) And they all stand up and they put their hands over their hearts and they say the pledge. One of the trustees challenged him and called out his unilateral decision. He downplayed her concerns and told her to find out where it is written that says he cannot make such a ruling, at which point he would welcome that discussion at our next meeting. Furman did not immediately respond to an email from the Fox News affiliate in that area asking why. A CBS Denver aired a video of the meeting that showed attendees stand up and recite the pledge, which prompted Furman to say they were out of order. To tell members of the public they are not allowed to say the Pledge of Allegiance during public comment and threaten to have them removed, that is one strike in your out policy, violates every single one of their First Amendment rights, said one of the city's trustees who confronted Furman. This guy, I looked him up. Uh, you can guess what his politics might be. And I think he's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so he's a Republican and he's an no, idiot. Well, that makes guess again, sense. guess again, guess again. <laughs> okay, well, here's, here's the issue. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. All right, so that's the first divisive violent reference there. I pledge allegiance to the United States of America is a divisive oh, yeah. reference. It's, it's bad. And uh, to the republic yes, for which it stands? There, for some people, that is divisive and violent. And to the republic. And so all we have to do is come up with a law that lets you do the pledge that would, as long as you help, somehow have extra help for the people for whom that is violent or divisive. Well, the next part is controversial. Well, this is it. This is the issue. To the republic for which it stands. Which, if you are handicapped and cannot stand, then that is against No, no, you. I'm talking about one nation under God. Oh, well, because God's in the pledge. You know what? 
He's on a dollar bill, too. In one God we trust. God. Well, we are one nation under God. Everybody has a God-shaped hole in them in one way or another. So, you know, everybody has a God. It's just whether it's themselves or the universe or uh, Allah or whatever. So one nation. I see, uh, well, I, okay, but that's not really divisive. It's it's well, really, it is if you don't believe in God. Mm, it's forcing you. God, if you recite the pledge, it's forcing you to say that you live under someone you don't believe in. Right. Uh, one nation under God. Yes, I guess. So could you do the pledge without the word God in it? I mean, it would have to be changed. Well, we used to before the 1958, I think it was. Oh, that's right. It wasn't always there. No, it wasn't always there. This came up in the past. All right. In a lot of schools, they don't do the pledge anymore, which I think is a loss. Anyway, one nation under God, indivisible. With liberty and justice for all might be divisive if you don't believe you've got liberty and justice. Well, but see, maybe this is an ideal to which we need to live up. You know, so it you know it gives you the idea that um, we may not have liberty and justice for all yet. But but guess we do. What? Even people who feel they are terribly oppressed have the liberty to speak out and say, "I'm being oppressed." You know, if without right. that liberty, we just throw you in jail. Well, we're on the for right daring track. Daring to say something. Right, we're on the right track. No argument there. But I can't imagine why any mayor in his right mind would suspend the pledge of allegiance before the meeting. I mean, it's. You, you have a government post. You are, whether you like it or not, a representative. Well, and when his... I take an oath, when I take my oath of office as mayor, and the common oath in the state of Pennsylvania is that you will support, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the state of Pennsylvania. So I take that oath yeah. when, I, when, I, when I'm sworn okay. in as mayor. Everybody, every elected official in Pennsylvania takes that oath. Right. So what does that mean? That means we accept the fact that the, we are in the United States, that we are a government, part of the government of the United States of America. And why should we refer or why should we resent or prohibit reciting the Pledge of Allegiance? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. I'm not sure. But re, he does give his explanation. Read that Kalkamamia explanation again. Yeah, well, he says he downplayed her concern. Uh, totally, I'm sorry. Uh, he made the decision based on inappropriate comments in and out of public meetings and general divisiveness and issues created in our community. So mm-hmm. apparently there are issues created in the community that are divisive uh, because of the Pledge of Allegiance. And, and and how many people in the community, if we ask in this area, how many of you would not want to say the Pledge of Allegiance? What do you think the percentage would be? Wouldn't want to? That Right. That would, would support this guy's decision not to say the Pledge of Allegiance. Five percent, maybe. You think that high? Oh, it might be lower. I don't know. It's really hard to say because he's kind of vague as to precisely what the issue is. You know what I mean? I mean, he doesn't say well, because of there is a Puerto Rican neighborhood and they don't feel as though the U.S. is living up to its full liberty and justice for all. Or there is this white neighborhood over here. They feel they're being oppressed and so they don't have justice for what they're seeking or whatever it happens to be. What's we, interesting we don't is know what he's saying. This guy came from New York. And he's an attorney. New you York think he would, City or New, New York, York State? I okay. think maybe may New York City. I mean, he's an attorney. You would think he would know better. 
You know, you really would think the guy would have more smarts than this. But, hmm. you know, apparently he doesn't. Dumb lawyer. That's weird. Well. <laughs> I know. I know. Never mind. Let's not get into lawyer jokes. R- not today. <laughs> All right. One of our good listeners says on the topic of ice cream. Joe, read that, please. Topic of ice cream. Lower right. right-hand corner. Lower right-hand corner. Oh, Joe, point out. Point of reference, it is never too cold for good ice cream. <laughs> okay, fair enough. And that's from a curmudgeon. Wait fair enough, up. fair enough. I love ice cream. That's my downfall. I, I will eat ice cream any time, but I just don't usually well, you eat work it in the winter. Too. And on the topic of voter ID. Just released Monmouth University poll found the poll determined that 80% of those polled support requiring photo identification when voting, while only 18% are opposed. All right. So this being a constitutional republic, if it was put to a vote, how do you think that would fare? Oh, I think definitely it would pass. And I think uh, the Republicans in Harrisburg are being shrewd in making their election reform package. Most of it is just going through standard legislation and will get vetoed. But they want the voter ID badly, so they are going to go through the constitutional. Because they know most of the nation can get a voter ID without any difficulty or most of the state will be able to get the voter ID, but they definitely wish to disenfranchise the lower percentage. Remember, they only need a few votes to be stricken from the record in order to get uh, their way. So they they really just want to disenfranchise a few people. Well, you know that story that we talked about? Well, all right, go ahead and take the break, and, and then we'll go back. <laughs> all right, you can do as several people have done. Email us at onthemarkettipwithkokid.com, or you can text us at 70236, include the keyword OTM. I'm trying to be an equal opportunity irritator and getting more people to email us, so please do uh, on the market at WDKOK.com and you can text us at 70236. You're listening to the WDKOK Live talk show. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Well, welcome back. We did it, Joe. No phone calls. The WKOK Live talk show doesn't have any calls today because the phone's busted, but uh, we'll get her fixed tomorrow. Well, it's not our problem. It's the phone company's problem. All right, but, uh, well, guess what? We have to talk for 90 minutes. Guess whose problem that is? That's the audience's problem. Right? <laughs> That's bad. All right, upper right-hand corner, lower right. right-hand corner. Uh, Mark, there you go again, accusing Republicans of wanting to disenfranchise citizens. That is false, and you know it. And then another true. another emailer says... So do you, actually. This anyway. is an emailer who says, Sometimes we have to give up something we believe in to get a compromise. I think that's called good governance. Don't throw out the good to make it perfect. 
I think that's referring to the fact that many people in the Democratic side are now accepting photo ID for voters. Okay. Well, could be. And uh, we had one teacher in Carlisle made yeah. pen live history. We, we talked about, didn't get to talk about this, but it relates to the story about whether teachers should have the right to put stuff up. Carlisle High School students approached Doreen Wilbur with questions, and this is from Penn Live, with questions about the issues of the day. They wanted to hear her perspective on Black Lives Matter, Antifa, George Floyd, and militia groups. The English teacher welcomed the questions from students in and out of her 10th grade. They know me, Wilbur said. I'm one of the few black educators in the system. They come to me because they want information so they can make up their own minds. Each and every time, she prefaced her opinion with the words, I am speaking as an individual, not as a representative of the Carlisle Area School District. On Thursday, Wilbur spoke out against a revision to policy 421 that would have barred teachers from expressing support for any political, social movement, platform, or campaign during work hours on district property. She was not alone. School board members received emails and in-person comments from employees and residents concerning that the revision concerned that the revision would have a chilling effect on the ability of teachers and staff to engage students in teachable moments. The board voted against the controversial revision, a second revision that redefines district pro- property property rather was approved. So, you know, should a teacher be allowed if asked by the students to give their personal opinions. I think so, and I think as long as they issue that preface, and it, particularly if it's something where you have a person who's black and will be able to offer a black perspective to predominantly white students about an issue that we really are studying, and that's why I think you know this whole idea of critical race theory, of course, if you don't like it and you don't want to teach it in schools, that's fine, but teach race. Make sure you understand why we are where we are in the U.S., what our history is, and really what our future is going to be, that, you know, we continued, uh, you know, as uh, Dr. Soika said when he was here, we keep getting better and better and better in the U.S. And, but we know what and our we history are making is. some progress. We know what our history is. The question is, do we slant it when we teach it, or do we teach it warts and all? Do we go down the middle and say, for example, the C- Civil War is fought on slavery, the, the issue of slavery. That's mm-hmm. the only that was the major issue, but. The people of the South want you to believe today or will argue the lost cause theory that it was all about preserving states' rights. Do we just teach one or do we teach both? I think it's human nature to allow your bias to slip into what you're talking about, even if you don't wish to. But as long as you present all perspectives, you know, if, if you explain it, key. explain it to the students just the way you did to me just now about the South and the Civil War, if you say, well, yes, of course, slavery was the big issue and that's what gets all the headlines, but uh, for others, it was states' rights and this idea that this onerous federal government, you know, states' rights is an issue to this very day. You know, look at this Voting Rights Act that's being considered, this S-1 in Washington, D.C. That's the issue. Should should we just keep letting the states do Well, and it gets even murkier when the, when the issue has religious connotations, like whether or not we should teach Darwin's theory of evolution or whether we should teach creationism. Right. More is better. All right. Tomorrow we're not talking about creationism, we assure you. Right. (laughs) You are listening to On the Mark, WKOK. This is WKOK Sunbury.